Okay, if you're anything like me, you're always hungry. It doesn't matter when you eat or how satiated you feel in the moment, it doesn't last. And you're always looking for something more. Well, Jesus tells us that our spiritual appetite is much like our physical one. It needs to be constantly fed. And he offers a solution to our spiritual hunger. Today, Eric shows exactly what Jesus meant when he said that I am the bread of life. Welcome to Challenge. Well, I hope you all are doing well tonight. Um, my name is Eric. For those of you who don't know me, um, I've been a part of staff here at Challenge for seven years, and I was a seven years, and I was a student here for four. Uh, so it's been 11 years since I've been a part of Challenge. Uh, it's been obviously an amazing blessing in my life. Hopefully, it is for you as well. Um, to start us off tonight, we're going to continue our series on. Um, the I am statements that Jesus gives in the, in the scriptures. To start off, I'm going to tell a story from my college days that hopefully will serve as an um, illustration for us moving forward tonight. So when I was in college, my, my last year, my grad year of college, I was part of a life group here with Christian Challenge, and we affectionately called ourselves the Eating Life Group. And we called ourselves the Eating Life Group because we loved to eat copious amounts of food. You know, you can eat Korean barbecue, or you can eat other barbecue, all you can eat pizza, all you can eat was the common theme of our life group beyond reading the Bible and stuff like that, community. And so a lot of us, quite a few of us were graduating that year, myself included, and we decided that we wanted to get, you know, go out with a bang and just have the greatest meal we could think of. And to us, that was going to Las Vegas to the Caesar's Palace buffet and eating a giant buffet. Um, the greatest, you know, most fulfilling meal you can imagine. So we took it very seriously. We studied up buffet strategy on, you know, how you can fit <laughs> the most amount of food into your stomach. We spent kind of the whole day when we were there. We were just there a couple days, but that night we were going to the buffet, spent the whole day walking up and down the strip, climbing all the stairs, trying to build up this giant appetite. And then we go to the buffet. And uh, I will recite for you everything that I personally ate, because I vividly remember it. Um, the first plate was a classic meat and potatoes plate, had some prime ribs, some sausage, potatoes obviously, chicken. Second plate was a seafood plate, sushi, caviar, fish, all that kind of stuff, crab legs. Uh, third plate, Mexican food, some tacos. Fourth plate was a combination plate between Asian food and uh, your Italian food, so pastas, pizza, fried rice, dumplings, orange chicken, that whole stuff. Fifth plate was then the kind of the review plate going to the favorite items from plates one, two, three, and four. And then the sixth plate, you have to end on dessert. That was the best part. And they had a lot of desserts at the buffet, cookies, pastries, ice cream. So I had this heaping plate of, of desserts. And that was the end of the first round. So for the second round, <laughs> I go back up, plate seven. And my stomach starts to send up some signals of, hey, you might want to think about stopping. I say, no, shut up, I'm going to keep going, because this is going to be the greatest meal of my life. Um, I'm graduating college, I'm going to go out with a bang. And so I go back and get another meat plate, because meat is delicious, got another prime rib, more sausage. Um, and I sit back down, I'm eating through this giant piece of prime rib, and my stomach is sending up more signals, like, hey, I want to stop, I'm getting kind of full in here, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know, so I keep eating, keep eating, finish the meat plate, and I think, wow, like, it's kind of weird, I feel a little full. Um, actually, I feel quite full, but you know, you can't end on a meat plate, you gotta have more dessert. So I go back up, get another dessert plate, because dessert is the best part. 
sit down, eat the dessert, and then the consequences of the past you know, hour or so of eating hit me all at once. And I realized I'm in pain from eating too much. It's like the scales kind of fell off my eyes. I'm like, what have I done? And I look up, and you know, everyone else at the table is just like the same, like, we have, we have messed up. We have eaten far too much, so much that I was afraid to move lest I explode. And because uh, we ate too much. But we're, we're sitting there, and we're all just kind of, you know, like shocked. Like, what have we done? We ate far too much. But, you know, the check comes. We got to move out so that the next group of idiots comes in and <laughs> stuffs themselves in. So we, we have to leave. So I say, well, let's go a little bit down the lane there in the casino. There's uh, the area where you can watch sporting events if you bet on a sports game or something. So we sit there and we watch like an entire Laker game, sitting in these chairs, not moving. Bathroom is right there just in case. But luckily, nothing happened. We, we managed to get through that. Then we're like, OK, I think we have the confidence to walk back to our hotel. And so we did. Fell asleep instantly, the biggest food coma you can imagine. Now the next morning, we wake up, and what is the first thing we're talking about? Yeah. What's for lunch? <laughs> After the greatest meal, the most filling meal of our lives, ultimately it didn't satisfy us, right? We had to eat again. Now it should be no surprise, maybe the length of time in between those events is surprising, but it should be no surprise, right? We, we know that food can't satisfy us long term. It's just not designed to do that. We need to eat again and again and again to, to live. But the reason I bring this up, I think it's just so interesting that we see that so clearly with food. Very obvious to us. But we miss that in so many other key areas of life. I mean, all the time we look for satisfaction in areas of life that were never meant to give us satisfaction, lasting eternal satisfaction, you know, career, money, possessions, romantic relationships, things like this. And so we say things to ourselves like, well, as long as I get that internship, I'll be good, right? I'll be satisfied. But the truth is you, you really won't because there's another internship you have to get next time and maybe you even need to get a job during the semester to be competitive. Like those things are going to end and you're going to have to keep going. Then you say that's fine as long as I get the job, then I'll be good. But again, no, you won't because Eventually you'll want to move on, have some more upward, upward mobility, maybe a higher paycheck. Uh, that job is just not going to satisfy you long term. But then you say, that's okay, as long as I get the paycheck. But again, there's always going to be more stuff to buy. That's okay, as long as I get that relationship. But that person is going to fail you in something. They're not perfect. And on and on and on it goes. People end up throwing a, their, their whole lives away just trying to seek that next thing the next thing that will satisfy them, the thing that's going to make them feel complete and fulfilled in life. Only for another desire to come up and, well, maybe now that's the thing that will make me feel complete. Now that's the thing that will make me feel complete. There's just no satisfaction in these things. They, they weren't designed to, to give it to you. Proverbs 27.20 puts it like this, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Shoal and Abaddon there are Hebrew words for conveying death and you know, the underworld, things like that. The idea is like just as those things will never be satisfied, right? people were, will keep dying and they're not going to say, okay, no one die anymore, we're, we're full, like there's no such thing. Uh, just like that, neither are our eyes satisfied. There's always going to be another desire, another thing in this world that will draw our attention, something that we want to go after that we think is going to satisfy us. 
Now, can these things provide temporary satisfaction? Yeah, they can. Right? Achievements, they feel good. Having a, getting that internship, things like that, that's a good thing. Food is tasty. God can really choose to bless you with those things. And so we really ought to praise God when we get those blessings. We ought to thank God for them. But what we should not be doing is seeking that lasting, deep satisfaction from those things. Because again, they were never designed to give it to us. That sense of being complete and fulfilled will not be found there. Now, why is that? Well, it's because there's more to life than just physical, right? There's, there's a spiritual side of life as well. We are spiritual creatures. We have a soul. And, you know, for the deepest needs of the soul, a, a buffet, no matter how delicious it is, it, it's just not going to cut. Physical things are not designed to do that. And when we look for these, the spiritual, deep soul-level satisfaction in the physical things, well, we, we're left wanting. There's only one thing. There's just one thing that can give us deep, lasting, eternal satisfaction, and that is trust in Jesus Christ. That fulfills the deepest need of our souls, the need to be forgiven of sin, reconciled with God, come back to new life with Jesus. You know, it's only by trusting Jesus that we are complete, as Colossians 2, uh, verse 10 would say, brought to fullness. And so, Jesus, in John chapter 6, verse 35, he tells us this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Again, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. And tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the conversation in which Jesus says this and see what we can learn about him and, and ourselves. Before we start, though, we need to understand the context in which this conversation happens. The day right before Jesus says this, he feeds the 5,000. Those of you who aren't familiar with the story, basically Jesus is preaching to a large group of people, 5,000 of them, and they're hungry. It's the evening time. They're, they're ready for dinner. They don't have any food. And this kid has five loaves of bread and two fish, hardly enough to fi feed 5,000, but Jesus is able to miraculously multiply it and feed the whole crowd. Um, the Bible says they were able to eat as much as they wanted. No word on if anyone exploded because they ate too much. But in the next few verses, this is how the crowd reacts to this miraculous event. In verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 6, when the people saw the sign, right, the miracle that Jesus performed, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So they say that maybe Jesus is this prophet. What, what does that mean? Well, they're probably thinking of a passage back in Deuteronomy chapter 18 in which Moses promised that a prophet like him would eventually come. Now, in the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a line of prophets, and they really do culminate in Jesus himself. But the way they react there is they try to make Jesus king. Now, not king in the sense of, you know, we say, king of my life, lord of my life, things like that. They want him as a political king. At this time, the Jews were oppressed by the Roman Empire. They want to be removed from that. So this happens. And then right after this, later that evening, the disciples are going out on this sea. There's a huge storm. And Jesus, another famous story, walks on the water to them, is able to calm the sea and save their lives. Back to back, these two huge, amazing displays of Jesus' power. And then the next day, we get to this conversation. The crowd finds Jesus again. And here's the conversation that happens. In John 
Chapter 6, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus here, he's immediately challenging these people's motivation for coming to seek him. Right? They're not seeking him because of the signs, these miracles that he's performed, this power that he's displayed. No, they're seeking him because of the bread. You know, essentially, to them, Jesus is a food truck. Right? He fed them in one location, he moves to another location, and they follow him because the food was good. Ultimately, they are following Jesus because of a physical blessing, bread. Now again, there's nothing wrong with celebrating the physical blessings that God gives us, that Jesus gives us. Uh, there's nothing wrong with praying to him for things like provision. He has promised that to us, praying for things like health, like we did last week. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what's in view here. What is in view here, though, is that for these people, the physical blessing is all they really cared about. It's why they sought Jesus at all. You know, not for what he could do to their souls, but really for what he could do to their stomachs. And this brings up the question, you know, is that why you're seeking Jesus? Is it you know, for what he could do to your stomach, your wallet, your resume? Jesus warns the people about this in verse 27. We see it right there. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. You know, physical blessing is great. We ought to praise God for that. We have to rely on God for that. But those things are going to perish. They will fade. Ultimately, they're not going to satisfy you. They were never meant to do that. Rather, they're meant to draw our attention to the one who can satisfy us, right? The Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself. And so what Jesus is telling us here is, hey, I can give you something far greater than just a tasty piece of bread. You know, I can give you eternal life, forgiveness for sins, reconciliation with God. That is why we follow Jesus. The rest of that is extra, and it's good, but that is why we follow Jesus. But this phrase here brings up the question, what is the work? Right? Do not work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, we know as Christians that we cannot work for the grace of God, right? We cannot earn salvation. There is really nothing we can do to make up for the debt of sin that we owe to God. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, the people essentially asked that question in the next verse, 28. They said to him, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has, um, believe in him whom he has sent. Now notice the little wordplay there, right? The people say works, plural, of God, but Jesus answers them with work, singular. Right? The idea here is that, again, there's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. Because of our sin, we owe that debt we cannot pay. We must rely on the work, singular, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. That's the only way. You know, it's a free gift of grace. It's the gospel right here. Jesus is telling it to them. By grace alone in Jesus Christ, we are saved from sin. By his grace alone are we eternally satisfied at that deep soul level. Now think about it. This is an amazing truth that Jesus is telling these people right here. First, 
that there is such a thing as food that endures to eternal life. There is such a thing as something that will eternally satisfy you. And then two, that you can get it for free. That's amazing, right? All that our souls desire, Jesus can offer. Just believe in him. Just believe in him. Now, how do you think the people respond to this incredible statement? Verse 30. They said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. How do the people react, respond to this amazing statement? They don't believe, right? They ask Jesus for another sign. After all the things he's done, they want more. Their eyes are not satisfied. And they point here to Moses, right? And remember, they're probably thinking of that passage in Deuteronomy where Moses is promising a prophet like him. And they're referring here to manna, and that's a story um, in the Old Testament where the um, Israelites are wandering through the desert, uh, headed to the promised land, and then after wandering in the desert. And God miraculously feeds them, just how Jesus miraculously fed a group of people with this bread from heaven called manna. Every morning, the bread would appear, they would eat, again, as much as they wanted to their fill, and then the next morning, there would be bread again, and that's how they survived in the desert. But what's going on here is these people are almost challenging Jesus. You know, they're saying, hey, you know, Moses gave us bread from heaven. What else do you got? You know, you fed us 5,000 people for a day. Moses fed uh, a whole nation for 40 years. Like, what else can you do? Again, they're, they're really focused on getting some more bread, that physical need that they have, whereas Jesus is offering to meet spiritual need. And that's what he alludes to there in the rest of that passage up there, right? Uh, God gave the bread from heaven, and that bread from heaven is Jesus Christ. It's not a physical piece of bread. And then they say, you know, give us this bread always. Um, again, they're still, they're still thinking that Jesus is going to open up his cloak and pull out some garlic bread or something. like, And it's going to be eternal bread, so bread, bread, bread. That's what they're picturing and hoping for, and that's what they really want, because for them, they are seeking Jesus for the physical blessing, and that is it. And by doing so, they are really missing the, the greatest thing that Jesus can offer, right? Of course, we know that Jesus offers something far greater than just bread. And Jesus tells us what that is and tells the crowd what that is, starting in verse 35, where he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's our passage we started with. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will uh, of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I'm just talking about eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Jesus will satisfy. Again, not talking about physical hunger, physical thirst, but that deep spiritual need that we all have to be 
forgiven and to know God, our creator. Jesus is here to offer us the greatest thing of all. That's why we follow him. It's the gospel right here, right? The gospel is far greater than a lifetime of buffets, the greatest career that you can imagine, the most full piggy bank that you can imagine, because all that's going to perish. It's all going to fade. It's all going to end. But this is not. You know, Jesus is going to last forever. We can have eternal life in him. And so Jesus is just saying to these people, look, look no further. Here I am for free. I'm, I did the work. You just need to believe. And again, amazing truth Jesus is telling them. Here I am right here. And how do you think the people respond? Verse 41. The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread of, that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And once again, right, despite all that Jesus has said, despite all that he is showing them, they are focused on the physical. He's just some guy standing there. We know his parents. Who does he think he is? Now, I think it's around this point that they realize he's probably not opening the cloak and pulling out some bread for us. You know, I think... I think we're not getting dinner here tonight. The food truck is closed. And it's almost comical, just like, I guess we're going to find someone else who could multiply bread. Like, it, it just doesn't exist. But I, I think we often do this very thing without realizing it. We, too, focus on the physical. And when the grades are good, when you have enough money to buy what you want, man, God is great. We love God. But when that dries up, when times get hard, um, maybe it wasn't that great after all. Maybe I need to go do something else because this isn't working. And just like these people, we grumble and we complain, even when confronted with this amazing truth that Jesus shares with us, despite having access to the most incredible thing in the universe, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God. We're just not satisfied because we're focused on the physical. We're focused on things that were never meant to satisfy us at all. The conversation continues. Jesus reiterates himself, starting in uh, verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Right? The physical cannot satisfy them. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world, the life of the world is my flesh. So again, he's continuing to use this metaphor, right, of bread in the spiritual sense that he's meeting spiritual needs. And now we get something new. This is the first time that he's mentioned actually eating the bread, first of all. Before it was just, I am the bread. Now we talk about eating the bread. And we get something new at the end, that the bread is his flesh. Now again, imagine you are these people. You are only viewing this physically. This man has just told you, eat my flesh. You are coming to get some bread. And instead, you're going to get you know, cannibalism, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's a very odd statement. But again, they're focused on the literal. They're focused on the physical. Jesus is speaking in a spiritual, metaphorical sense. And just like how you have to ingest physical bread to get something out of it, right? So must you ingest spiritual bread for this spiritual life that Jesus is promising. The bread is Jesus himself. So what he's saying here is you have to surrender to me. You have to put your trust in me. He goes on. He adds a little more. Um, 
The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how could this man give us flesh to eat? Very confusing. And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. So again, adding something, again, that would be very odd to these people. You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true life. And it goes on there. We're going to finish off the passage. On the next slide, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So again, he mentions the flesh, the blood. This is Jesus talking about his death, shedding his blood for us, and then, right, raising from the grave. He died for the cross. He died on the cross for us. He shed his blood for us. And so what Jesus is saying here, again, this is spiritual, right? What he's saying here is if you put your faith in my death and resurrection, there is eternal life. There is lasting satisfaction there because the deepest need of your soul, forgiveness of sins, is satisfied. He is the bread of life. And there's nothing more satisfying than him putting your trust in him. Now, the Bible tells us there are two reactions to this conversation that has happened. The statement, really, the teaching that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, the only thing that satisfies. First, in verse 66, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. People stopped following Jesus after this. Now, the, the tragic thing about this is the problem wasn't who they were following. They were in the right place. They were listening to the right person. But their problem was why they were following. They were following Jesus because they wanted some food. They were following Jesus because they wanted a political king. They were following Jesus because they thought that he could give them some object or some situation that would give them satisfaction, that sense of completeness. But he didn't. Sure, he gave them some yummy bread at one point, uh, but that bread didn't last. They had to go eat again, right? And when the bread stopped, they stopped following. And I would really argue they weren't following at all. They didn't believe, right? They didn't believe that he was actually the son of God. And you know, I, I believe today that there are many, many people in churches all over the world, America, maybe people even in this room, they're doing the same exact thing. They are there because they think following Jesus will give them some kind of physical benefit. They go to church, God will give you the promotion. Have that quiet time right before midterms, you're gonna do well on the midterms. It's stuff like this. They're doing exactly what Jesus warns about earlier when he says, you know, working for food that perishes. And right, the very things that they're looking for satisfaction are not gonna give them that satisfaction because they never were designed to do that. And by focusing on those things, they end up missing the very thing that will satisfy them, Jesus himself. It's a tragedy, but again, it happens all the time, and maybe you're struggling with that yourself right now. So how can you make sure that that doesn't happen to you? Well, I think in order to make sure that doesn't happen to you, you and myself included, we all have to wrestle and come to an honest answer to the question, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just your resume booster? 
Is he your wingman so you can get a date? Who is Jesus to you? Many disciples left after this conversation. And Jesus turns to the 12 disciples, the ones that we hear about right in the scripture. And he asks them in verse 67, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Who is Jesus to these men? Holy One of God. He was the bread of life. They believed what Jesus was saying. You know, these men followed Jesus because he was the Son of God. That's it. That was the reason. I love that question there. To whom would we go? Right? Who else could give us what Jesus can offer us? Eternal life, that deep soul level satisfaction. And you know what? If you keep reading the Bible, these men really proved that. Because the earthly physical blessing for them dried up real quick. And they lived very difficult lives because of their faith. They were mocked, scorned, beaten. Eventually, all of them you know, died because of their faith. But they were not in it for that physical satisfaction, which is a good thing because they didn't get it. Uh, they were there because they believed Jesus is the bread of life. They were working for the things that do not perish. And as a result, they get to rejoice with Christ forever and ever and ever eternally satisfied. So again, I pose the question, who is Jesus to you? Because that is the most important question that you will ever answer. And if your answer is anything but he is the son of God, well, you might need to evaluate your motivations, just as Jesus challenged these people to. That is the question that I had to face 11 years ago when I first started coming around challenge. Because I was very much like these people in this passage. Jesus was my food truck. Um, I think I picked it up for my family. Whenever we prayed, we would just pray, thank you, God, for this blessing. Please bless us some more. And that was about it. Never talked about sin, nothing like that. As long as we were uh, healthy, wealthy, happy, we were good. And so in my mind, Jesus was my food truck. I followed him. I got bread. Who was Jesus to me? He was my GPA booster. Pray to him before a test. Do well in school. You know, and I, coming into college, I feel like I had pretty much I ever, everything I ever wanted. I had the good grades, all the friends, was good at sports, everything, got into USC, and I still felt so unsatisfied that it was just maddening. What am I missing? What is it that is keeping me from feeling that completion? And I reasoned, well, it's, I don't have a girlfriend. Um, and as many of you know, I joined Christian Challenge partly, maybe majorly, to find a girlfriend. Jesus was my wingman. Who was Jesus to me? He was my wingman. I wasn't here because I was a Christian, because I really wanted to get to know God better. Maybe I thought I was a Christian, but I had never put my trust in Christ. You know, I've never eaten of the bread of life, as it says here. And you know what? I started coming to Challenge, and there was a girl there who was very beautiful. She was very fun. Enjoyed talking with her. And uh, there were other reasons why I stayed around, I promise. Uh, I enjoyed the community. Uh, starting to meet with Jeremy, which was pretty fun, but she did not hurt the fact that she was there. And so at uh, FDC, I planned to ask her out. Thought, this is, this is it. This is what's gonna complete me, here it is. And so we had this event um, at the very end of FDC, Saturday night, s'mores and campfire. Um, <laughs> some fans in the room, very good. Maybe you also planned to ask someone out there, but 
<laughs> Maybe you won't after this story, I don't know. Um, so we had a s'mores and campfire event and my plan was to ask her out. And right before that we had a workshop. And at the workshop, I have no idea what we talked about. Because the whole time I was thinking about my master plan to ask this girl out. But I do remember near the end of the workshop we started talking about the gospel. People started sharing about how Jesus had changed their lives, started talking about sin that Jesus was helping them confront and the transformation that they were seeing. But the workshop was going long. And so the, the staff uh, woman who was leading, her name was Dana, Dana said, hey, I know that the s'mores event is about to start, so if anyone wants to leave, like, feel free. Go, go do that. Um, go have fun with that. But if anyone wants to stay and keep talking about this, like, I'll stay here and we can keep talking. And I thought in my mind, great. Time to go. Time to go ask her out. And so I kind of like go to stand up. No one else had moved. <laughs> and so I look around. I'm kind of shy. I can't be the only, the, the, you know, heathen, I guess, who leaves. Um, <laughs> and so, so I stay. I stay and we keep talking and we keep talking. And um, eventually this verse was shared. Luke 5, 31 to 32. Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when I heard this verse, all of a sudden, everything that I heard and challenged, everything that Jeremy was talking to me about, all these different things, I started reading the Bible on my own, and all of these things just the Spirit of God brought together, and I realized I am sick. I am sick. And I realized in that moment that I didn't need a wingman. I didn't need a resume booster. I needed a savior. Because I was, I was sick in my soul. I was dead in my sin. And I needed to eat the bread of life. I was looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And my answer to who is Jesus to me changed. It changed. And you know what? I, I did not end up asking her out. Um, but I did become a Christian the next morning. And praise God. Uh, and, and the deepest needs of my soul were satisfied. Uh, I was complete. The very thing that I had been looking for in all the wrong places I found that morning. And so I spent the next year uh, really taking my walk with God seriously. Getting into you know, the habits that we talk about all the time, quiet times, verse memory. Uh, kept getting time with Jeremy. I started having a ministry of my own, sharing what uh, Jesus had done in my life. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye that she was doing the same. So I noted that in the back of my mind, because I wasn't thinking of dating at the time. I was just focused on getting to know my Savior, really growing in that. And grow I did, grow I did. And as the months passed by, finally I got to a place over a year later where I felt like I could actually ask her out this time for the right reasons, not because I was seeking satisfaction in her, not because I thought she could complete me. You know, I was already complete. But I thought that we could glorify God together. And so I got some advice, talked to Jeremy about it, prayed about it, felt like God gave me the green light. And you know what? I finally asked her out for the right reasons. And she said, absolutely not. <laughs> um, it wasn't that bad. She was actually very kind and gracious about it. Um, and you know what? <laughs> twist ending there. Uh, <laughs> I was okay with that. I was okay with that. Was I disappointed? Yes. 
I was extremely disappointed. It took me a while to get over that, but the deepest need of my soul was still satisfied. I was still, despite her answer, complete. And you know, I think back to that night at FDC all the time. I don't know this for sure, but I wonder, like, if I had gone and asked her out that night, she would have said no. Um, I don't know if I would have come back to challenge after that. I really don't know. Um, I like to think I would have, but I'm not sure. I'm very grateful that the Spirit of God worked in me and worked in the people around me that night to get me to realize that who is Jesus to me? Savior. And I desperately, desperately needed him. Now, I'm still tempted to think otherwise. All the time. You know, I'm always drawn to something like, oh, maybe this is going to satisfy me. You know, I'm working now, like a talk about higher salary, more promotion, like, oh, I get excited, maybe this is it. And so I have to constantly be reminding myself of the truth. I have to constantly be choosing to be content with whatever physical blessing God has provided for me and being very grateful. Um, he's blessed me in many, many ways. I consistently have to remind myself of this truth. Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> to whom else would I go? Right? To whom else... Who, who else would possibly have what Jesus can offer me? And so tonight, I want to leave you with Simon Peter's question. To whom will you go? To whom will you go? Who will you go to seek that deep, deep soul-level satisfaction? Is it going to be something that was never meant to satisfy you at all? Some internship that's going to end in a couple weeks? You know, some bank account? Some experience or something, or is it going to be to the Son of God, the bread of life, the only one who can complete you and satisfy you? To whom will you go who can possibly offer you what Jesus Christ offer you, can offer you if you put your trust in him? Who is Jesus? He is the bread of life. So trust him tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this is true, that we can trust and what Jesus has done for us and find eternal, eternal rest and satisfaction in you, God. Uh, I'm very grateful that you choose to give us that. I'm also very grateful for all the other blessings you give us as well. God, we are so blessed here. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just really help us answer that question of who is Jesus to us pray if there be anything in our souls that is off about that, that you would confront that and change that in us. Thank you, God, so much that we can trust in you and that there is bread that lasts eternally. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms, such as this one that you're listening on, including things like Spotify, Apple Music, and the likes. You can also leave us a review there, and that helps us get these resources into the hands of other people. We recorded this episode live on a Thursday night gathering at the University of Southern California, and we'd love for you to join us if you're around. So get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and our weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.